2: Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
3: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, as always, with your host, James Rapine, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Free and available everywhere. You get your podcast and on YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or that follow button on your audio platform of choice to get us delivered to your eyes and ears first thing every day. And we appreciate it when you make us your first listen. today, as I mentioned, we're joined by Andre Perota. Andre, the resident Bengals cap expert. And I do my best. James does his best, but nobody does it quite like Andre. And we're starting to see the Bengals version of salary cap accounting through various sources. First of those being Mike Petralia posting the state of the Bengals salary cap. And as always, there's a little bit of a disconnect between how the Bengals are doing their cap accounting and how the rest of the world is doing their cap accounting at this time of year. And Andre, let's just start with the high level. Thanks for giving us a little bit of time today. After franchise tagging Jesse Bates, and looking ahead to the obvious or or imminent expenditures against the CAF, which is exclusive rights free agents, and some of those will be offset by the offseason top 51 rule, which we might want to explain as well, and the restrictive free agent tender probably coming for Stanley Morgan. Where do the Bengals stand as free agency opens or the tampering period, I should say, opens next Monday?
1: So first, uh, thanks for having me on again, Jake and uh, James. Always appreciate you uh, having me on, inviting me on to talk about the, the cap and free agency. So uh, keep up the great work in general. You guys do a great job. Uh, but yeah, so a, a couple things. Uh, the NFL officially released the unadjusted cap uh, that applies to every team league-wide yesterday. And that was at $208.2 million, so $208,200,000. That's every team's unadjusted cap. Then you adjust that by the amount that you roll over. I'm sure we'll talk about the rollover uh, matters uh, later on. Uh, the Bengals rolled over a little bit more than 5 million last year but then there were some actually negative adjustments that the Bengals had primarily from guys who earned um, bonuses in the form of per game roster bonuses that were considered at the start of the year not likely to be earned so there's always an adjustment that the league office does at the end of every year that the Bengals actually had a negative adjustment of about 400,000 for that so when you add that to the rollover amount it's a little little under 5 million they rolled over so essentially they're working with an adjusted cap of about 214 uh 213 million So if you add that just under five uh, rollover plus adjustment and you add that to the 208.2, so they're sitting at about 213, Uh, their current cap commitments, uh, you mentioned Mike Petralia's article today, Um, if you include the Jesse Bates uh, franchise tag, which actually does count against the cap the minute it's issued to the player. Um, regardless if the player signs it or not, it's just the minute you issue it it counts against the cap. Uh, I have them around uh, 40 million or so in, in caps case. That's before r- roughly 40 million about 39, but that's before you mention some of the internal matters uh, that they'll probably clean up as in this next week before we actually get to the tampering period of next Monday. Those are really the the exclusive rights guys that you mentioned, guys like Clay Johnston. Um, Jalen Davis was an exclusive rights player, but Jalen Davis actually already re-signed and not to get too in the weeds here, but I will commend the Bengals here. And hopefully this is, this is a good, uh, this portends well for what they'll do in the pre or in the off season. For Jalen Davis, they they could have signed him to an exclusive rights deal, but he was in a unique situation. He actually already had four credited seasons. So his base salary that was due to him would have been upwards of over a million dollars. But the Bengals actually utilized what's called a veteran salary benefit deal for him. So they gave him the, the same amount of cash but his cap hit is now lowered to eight ninety five, so it's it's only a savings of one hundred and forty thousand against the cap. But the Bengals showed some 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 uh, some shrewdness, if you will, in, in applying some unique principles of the of the CBA to, to get a lower cap hit. The reason that I bring that up is if they're trying to minimize the cap hits to squeeze a lot of these players in to maximize their their Super Bowl window now, which which played out this past season. Uh, I, I think that pretends well potentially to maybe go cash over cap. Uh, kind of like how they did in 2020 um so the exact amounts you mentioned the way they they internally account for their spending um they have a lot of room to work with and and we we, we can you know it's it's roughly about 40 million um but the The team likes to say, well, it gets whittled down very quickly with the exclusive rights guys, the RFA guys, which really there should only be, there are two restricted free agents, there's Fred Johnson and Stanley Morgan. I don't think Fred Johnson is going to get tendered. Just but he was a healthy scratch for a lot of the season. Mm -hmm. He's not on the active roster, even though I like Fred Johnson as as a player. So that just means if they don't tender him, he'll be an unrestricted free agent free to sign elsewhere. Uh, But I think Stanley Morgan is probably the only RFA who will get tendered. And the question will be, do they tender him at the second round tender, which is almost 4 million? Uh, just under four, or do they tender him at the original round um, draft level, which he was an undrafted pick anyway, but it's the second tier. So it's just about 2.4 million. Um, So yeah, those get whittled down, but the the reality is every team has exclusive rights free agents. Every team has restricted rights free agents. So um, it's just funny how when it just, the reports are, well, they have to account for that. Of course they have to account for that, but there are ways to maneuver the cap Uh, And we hope they maneuver it in a way that really, really obviously address areas of critical need, the offensive line, and really supplement the other areas of the roster that need to be supplemented.
0: So when you look at their cap and and what they have, you said around 40 million and we'll just round up just to make it, uh, you know, whether it's 39 or 40, just to make it cleaner. They could part ways with Trey Wayne's breaking news. The Bengals are going to do that. So if you want to give me credit (laughs) for breaking that, you know, go ahead or not. I'm, kidding of course but everybody knows that they'll, they'll free up True. around close to 11 right Andre yep. and then yep. Trey Hopkins it, it seems like it's leaning that way towards them parting ways with him so we're looking at potentially opening up the the tampering period essentially with around 56 million 55 million in cap space is that fair
1: yeah, if you if you make if they make those two cuts, which I would imagine they do, I think Trey would probably be be let go after they they secure a center, and and there are some reports out there about some interest in Jensen and Bozeman, potentially some of the other centers. It's a pretty deep centers market even after you get to the the, the top two guys there, however you want to order them. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a good estimate. But and, and I guess we'll talk about this too. What, what I've always done, at least since I've been following the cap since about 2011, since the, the, the lockout from, from the 2011 season, um, I, I really track their spending, their cash spending, more so than their cap. And I don't know if you want to get we want to get into this now, but um, I, I kind of get the same vibes for this offseason that's approaching, similar to how the 2020 offseason, uh, we approached that two years ago before COVID. Actually, right during the when COVID uh, started, really, in March of 2020. Uh, and really, the financial uncertainties of the NFL weren't un, were not known. Nobody knew that you would be playing in front of empty stadiums, and, and the Bengals, with that financial uncertainty due to COVID, really went out and spent a lot in 2020. Uh, with the lower cap, the cap in 2020 was 198.2 million. The cap this year is 10 million over that. And remember, 2020, we also had a franchise player, it was AJ Green. AJ Green was a you know, it counted for 18.1 million on that cap, so it's a higher percentage. Uh, even on a smaller cap than the Jesse Bates franchise tag. And in that season, so you mentioned, James, about, you know, 56 56 million or so in cap space. But I look at the cash commitments. And right now, if you include the Jesse Bates franchise tag into their cash commitment column, and and to be clear, if they would have signed Bates to an extension, that would have entailed a lot of upfront cash. They would have given him a decent bonus. They would have probably structured it to include a a, a roster bonus that's due a couple days after signing. Um, so that, that may take away, that may be saved in their cash reserves, essentially for their use potentially in free agency, which is at least I hope it is because when I look at their current cash spending, and then I look at it just merely from a process of elimination, you can't touch, they can't touch the 2020 class yet. Burrow, T Higgins, Logan Wilson, those guys, you can't touch them. They've only been in the year, two years. The rule is you have to spend three years in the league as a drafted player. They can't touch obviously the 2021 class, um, you know, so, so you, you have to spend it somewhere. Uh, so where's it going to be spent right now? They're at 133, again, including the Bates tag in cash commitments. Then you can add those smaller pieces. Fine. You want to add two and a half million for, uh, the, the restricted free agent tender for Stanley Morgan. Go ahead. You want to add, uh, the million or so hits give or take for the exclusive rights guys. Sure. But you're still dealing with, uh, a lot of available cash to spend. And if they do, Keep in line with their recent spending. Again, not cap hits, their cash spending. They've gone cash over cap in each of the last four years. So the cap, the unadjusted cap is 208, 208 million point two. Um so if they spend right at that amount, 208 million, uh, they're currently at 133. That that delta there is, is a huge amount that's going to be spent. And if you also remember, in that 2020 season, they had to account for a huge signing bonus to number one overall pick Joe Burrow. That signing bonus of that year was almost twenty-five million. The signing bonus for the for pick thirty-one, assuming they don't even trade out of that, um, is it's going to be about maybe six and a half, seven million. And then, of course, the cap space needed to sign the rookies is only about is less than three million total because of the roster displacement. We'll talk about. So, to answer your question, I, and I, apologies for the long-winded answer, they have a lot of cap flexibility, but they also have a lot of cash to spend because their current cap cash commitments are below one hundred and forty million dollars. And again, if, if we're to believe the, the Petralia article um, and some other statements made by the team saying we're going to spend to the cap, I take that to mean cap spend, then I think you know we're, we're going to see some signs. Now, the caliber of those signings remain to be seen, but I, I don't anticipate the Bengals sitting on their hands here. Yes, they have their internal UFAs to, 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 to re-sign, potentially Uzama, BJ Hill potentially, but Really, they're looking to upgrade the offensive line. I I anticipate several signings along the offensive line amongst external free agents. Potentially Quentin Spain can be brought back, too, if they they miss out on some of the other younger guys. But um, they have a lot of cash to spend, James. And I I really think uh, just by process of of elimination, where are they going to spend it? They have to spend it, uh, the majority of it, on the offensive line.
0: We'll continue our conversation with Andre next, which includes how Aaron Rodgers new deal could impact Joe Burrow's future and more. But first I have to tell you about the number one protein bar on the planet. That's right. It's that time of the show built bar time, where they're high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. And look, I mean, I keep them right here on my desk. I replace. I eat one a day at least, and then I replace them and make sure I got another one here on the desk anytime just in case, well, I get hungry while I'm talking to Jake or today Jake and Andre. So if you want to get the number one protein bar on the planet that's covered in 100% chocolate, you can do so right now at Built.com, and you're going to get 15% off with promo code LOCKED15. So whether you're looking for a midday protein punch or maybe just a post-workout, protein fix you can get it at built.com promo code lock 15 for 15% off
1: this is david harrison of the locked on commanders podcast and this episode is brought to you by discover looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the
3: right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Having some technical issues with our microphone. Thanks, James, for taking care of that. And Andre, for the detailed breakdown there about how the the cash and cap spend will play out. And and what's interesting is, is the cash spend thing. I hadn't really considered the fact that they're actually saving cash with Jesse Bates. And I think that's a really good point. My initial thought, and you may have heard me say this on the on the show when the franchise tag became official, is that like A.J. Green's franchise tag, that removed cap flexibility from the Cincinnati Bengals. But conversely, in this case, you're right. It, it saves them a bunch of cash this year. So say that they're allocating $13 million in cash spend to Jesse Bates give or take, that's probably a lot less than the, say, $25 million that they might have been paying Jesse Bates this year. And that's just a ballpark number. But you've been tracking this for some time now, Andre, and the last couple of years, the Bengals have spent over the cap in cash. If that's the case this year, and the number I've been throwing around before the Jesse Bates expenditure was about $100 million, Now you're you're saying that you know probably at least in the seventy million range after Jesse Bates is roughly what it sounds like. Say say that you take away you know like you said the six and a half or so for the exclusive right guys and the restricted free agent likely tender and, and Stanley Morgan. That's still a lot of money to spend, and when you spend that much cash in a year, inadvertently, obviously, year one cap hits won't be the same as the annual average value. won't be the same as the cash spend that the Bengals outlay this year, but I do wonder if we'll see any change in the way the Bengals do business. The way they do business is they roll over money and they set up their contracts in such a way that they will not be restructured. There are no planned restructures like we just saw Dallas do with Dak Prescott on Wednesday. Do you think that there will be any change in modus operandi For the way this front office does contracts this year with two years left on Joe Burrow's rookie deal, seeing especially Aaron Rodgers potentially cashing it at 50 million per year, knowing what they will be allocating to Joe Burrow in the future.
1: It's a good question and it remains to be seen. I, I, I wish I had a crystal ball, but in terms of them changing their structure, which I think we all know, or those who follow the cap know that their, their preferred structure for their major contracts is really not guaranteeing anything outside of the signing bonus, not paper guarantee, not, not offering the true guarantees in the contract. Now. Just because it's not truly guaranteed doesn't mean it's not effectively guaranteed, but it's the way the contract is structured. And you can take a Trey Wayne's example. For Like Trey Wayne's only had the true guarantee in his deal, the $15 million signing bonus. But they're not going to cut the guy after one year, even though he didn't play his first year. Um, and so really, he got paid for two years, even though the second year of his contract was had no guaranteed earnings whatsoever. So that's the argument the Bengals made. To your question, Jake, will they change that? The fact that they didn't extend Jesse Bates or haven't reached an agreement yet and had to tag him, it means to me, his, his agent is, 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 known as, you know, he's, he represents a lot of safeties and, and I'm sure he was, he was banging the table for guarantees. And the fact that they had to tag tag him to me means that no, they're not changing their structure with regard specifically to not offering the guarantees outside the bonus. They're, they're at least not changing it for now, but the Bengals aren't, aren't alone there. They're, they're in the vast minority of NFL clubs they they, joined, they have, they're joined by the Packers and and the, and the Steelers who who typically don't offer the guarantees outside the bonus, but if you get a player with enough leverage, uh, Joe Burrow will certainly qualify next year. The, they will have to change their structure. They will have to offer guarantees outside of the signing bonus. T.J. Watt got, had enough leverage to get Pittsburgh to change their contract structure and offer guarantees into subsequent years in the deal. Now, there was a report that T.J. Watt at a certain point did say to his agent, let me go to Rooney's office and sign the deal. Enough is enough. But they did get to change their – T.J. and his camp got the Steelers to change the way that they structure their deals. And of course green bay is the other uh, is the other sister franchise if you will in terms of similar structures but of course aaron Rodgers. uh this one though the terms of, of this one may may be different because he's he's, pen, he's contemplating retirement uh not this year obviously but in, in future years so i'm not sure about the guarantees although they will con- they will have some but you know even in his prior contracts that he signed prior to this extension you know that, that had guarantees outside the signing bonus so unfortunately i don't think it will change uh, this year because I think the Bates uh, uh, lack of a long-term extension is, is, a, is a pretty good indicator that they're not going to change. Uh, and I don't think they're going to change it for any guy on the free agent market, right? Even the top, like Taron Armstead, he's probably not going to be on their radar anyway, because he's going to be the top tier tackle. But even a guy like him, you know, multiple Pro Bowl guy comes from their team, he, he won't have the leverage to get them to change the way they operate in terms of structuring those types of deals. But that being said, you know, the Bengals should be commended in a way because they, they don't find themselves ever in in, in cap uh, hell. They they're, they're, they they don't have to do these restructures. But at the same time, there is no reward at the end of the season for having like the most pest- pristine cap management. You want to have it. Great. You, you want to never put your pos- your club in a position to have to do that stuff. But you also want to maximize the roster. You, w- you want to win Super Bowls. And the Bengals got a taste of, of being in one and being within 85 seconds of winning one. So hopefully they do change in that regard because it does help to enti- to to attract higher caliber players uh, to the team. And Joe Burrow, frankly, is going to get them to change anyway, and he'll sign his extension next offseason uh, when he's eligible uh, for the first time to sign one.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: I want to ask you about Joe Burrow's extension and and we can dive into that and you're right. I I think it will happen next offseason. I want to ask you why that's beneficial. But before we do that, you mentioned... uh, attracting players and and everything like that. And that's been a big topic outside of the structure. Is there anything that you've heard that you think when analyzing how the Bengals structure things that would be uh, concerning to incoming free agents? Because I look at it from a thousand foot view and obviously there's Burrow, but I also watch free agent after free agent, go to a team like Washington and flame out or get cut two years in and struggle. And I can name a bunch of them, and, including former Bengals. I'm not going to do that, and it's not just Washington. But the Bengals, outside of Trey Waynes, have brought in all these guys, and they all seem to have success. And that, to me, would be as attractive as anything. Because you know what I want? If I'm entering my prime, I want to go somewhere where I can really shine. Of course you want money, but you want to shine and get credit where credit's due. And that would be really attractive to me. And so outside of structure – is there anything else that could prevent the Bengals from landing who they want and, and getting some of these, t- maybe not top free agents, but top targets, the guys that they view as top guys?
1: No, I mean, it's a great question. The structure is always going to be an impediment to those players. It's really the agents who are like, you got to guarantee this outside of year one. Uh, you got to guarantee an offseason, a second year roster bonus. The Bengals will have a second year roster bonus. They're just not going to guarantee it. But the reality is, again, to your point, James, they still have been able to attract and sign very valuable free agents, ascending players, guys that are coming off their rookie deal like Cheeto Awuzie. They they gave him a good signing bonus, but it wasn't a a backbreaking deal. It was three years for 22 and change. Uh, So a little over seven per per year. Uh, And that structure fit fit well for an ascending player. Obviously you're you're not going to break the bank with a guy like Cheeto, but he the surplus value that he's providing on that deal. Trey Hendrickson may have been the best signing, but I think uh, Cheeto Uzay for the high value position he plays. Hendrickson plays a high value position too, but Cheeto's contract has got to be looked at as one of the most valuable contracts, not just in last year's free agent signing, but in the entire NFL. Like I, I that's not hyperbole for me. That that's it's just an incredibly valuable contract. So the Bengals should be commended for that. I mean, they, they have been able to target guys and, and land guys um, on those mid mid-sized deals because really the reality is the NFL, the way that the CBA works, you're, you're paying top. Look at the chiefs roster. For example, you're paying a bunch of top end guys. They just tagged Orlando Brown, but you're paying like a Joe Tooney, Patrick Mahomes. They're going to extend Tyreek Hill. You're paying like and Travis Kelsey's up there. You're paying like five or six really t- high end guys. And then you're, you're feeding the rest of your roster with, with, Rookie players, minimum salary guys, and not really this middle class, but the Bengals actually have found a good niche market, an underserved market of veteran NFL players that are kind of like the middle class, which has been slowly disappearing in the NFL. Guys like Von Bell. Von Bell's on a three-year, $18 million deal last year of his deal. He may be up for an extension, by the way, a smaller extension later in the summer. I could see that. It actually could lower his cap it. They probably should have done that earlier to lower his cap it now to give them more flexibility. But um, but Von Bell, Cheeto Awuzier, um, those types of guys are, are really good. Mike Hilton, obviously, uh, a four year deal, but Mike Hilton's locked in for four, three more years, uh, for 18 million for those three years, essentially. That's that, that's incredible value for a slot corner. I know Mike has some, some limitations, but he's a good team leader and he he plays well. Um, so to your point, James. Are the high-end free agents, the top of their class, regardless of the position, are they going to likely sign a deal that doesn't have guarantees outside of year one, which is the Bengals' preferred structure? They're probably not. Because like you said, yes, it's important to come up and, and be considered a valuable contributor and to play it now for a playoff, perennial playoff, maybe Super Bowl caliber team in the Bengals. But guys coming off their rookie contracts that have been slotted for them, they want to get paid, too. You got one bite at the apple, essentially, and these guys want to get paid. You know, they'll they'll debate, you know, how uh, good the teams are that they go to, of course, and Burrow does have a legitimate draw, and the Bengals now, too. But guys want to get paid, and they want to get their fair market value. But just again, but you look at Trey Trey uh, Waynes' contract and even Trey Hendrickson, just because you still will find some high-end guys – Wayne's Hendrickson reader that will will agree to the Bengal structure because they do know yes okay it's not guaranteed but the reality is like Trey Wayne's or uh, Trey Hendrickson right now is is going to likely see I would say all all of his all four years of the, deal, the remaining three years just based on the season he had now like let's say God forbid Trey Hendrickson blows out his knee God forbid knock on wood the first day of training camp. The Bengals aren't going to cut him this year and the Bengals aren't going to cut him next year unless he, you know, he totally can't play anymore. They're going to, he's going to see three years of that deal based on how he played in year one, even though he has no more guaranteed money on his deal. So you can find some guys that will be amenable to the Bengals preferred structure because they'll look at some guys and say, Hey, okay, you're still going to get paid a lot. You have a high average per year value. You don't have the guarantees, but they know that's the way the Bengals do business. So if they're willing to sacrifice that, um, knowing that they'll play for likely what's going to be a contender uh, and still get paid uh, commensurate with their value. I, I think you, you'll still be able to, to to find some guys. Will they be the top end guys? Probably not, but you can find con- contributors like, you know, James Daniel and Austin Corbett uh, and some other, some of the other guys that, that have been uh, rumored to be um, interested in maybe signing with the Bengals.
3: I think it's interesting because, the Bengals have typically, in the last couple of years, gone, off, gone after guys, for the most part, going into their second contract. And, and as you said, Andre, a lot of those guys are guys that are looking for those bigger paydays, those bigger guarantees, or they're the Larry Ogunjobs and the Hassan Reddicks of the world looking for one-year prove-it deals. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, I think, has done this a few times as well for another yeah, example. many times. and. You're also describing this this evaporating middle, middle class, this disappearing middle class of veteran players, and that makes me think of guys like Andrew Norwell, who yeah, there go. are a little bit later in their careers, may not command as much guaranteed money, but may still have some gas left in the tank and, and be good fit. So one, one of those two things has to give, right? The Bengals either need to start looking at third contracts... Or, or later career guys or maybe offer up a little bit more in the way of guarantees and you you and I also got into it a little bit when you were pointing out that the bengals have started to do a little bit more in the way of guarantees pointing out some of these guys like trey Hendrickson and and DJ reader for getting you know 15 15 million dollar signing bonuses which I argued were not terribly impressive and you argued are, are sizable so there's there's certainly a middle ground there and The Bengals just have to identify the right guys that are going to be the right fits when they talk about putting the money together for these deals. Because as you point out, it seems like the structure is not going to change too much. And it's something that we'll monitor with the early deals. But I think you make a really good point that the Jesse Bates deal is a pretty good indicator. Uh, I do want to talk about the Aaron Rodgers contract rumor he, he actually said that there is no contract signed he wants to do a uh, a deal that's friendly to the salary cap but with the concurrent franchise tag for Devonte Adams it looks like he, whatever they work out will leave green bay with enough flexibility to try to put together one last push with Aaron Rodgers at the helm in a weakened uh, NFC with Russell Wilson's departure Joe Burrow up for extension next year. A few different models for fully guaranteed at the time of signing versus the the buyout kind of structure that Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes. What are you thinking right now as far as these other QB mega deals and the direction of the salary cap and, and as far as managing Joe Burrow's cap number with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase that will also be up for big money. looking the the Mike Williams contract, $20 million a year, mm-hmm. as T. Higgins rubbing his hands together, looking with uh, dollar signs in his eyes toward his future. What, what do you think is in store for Joe Burrow's extension that probably comes down next year?
1: Yeah. I mean, you made the good point that Rodgers is. So the reported numbers, I think Ian Rappaport and Mike Arafola reported four years, $200 million, So that's 50 APY A- or AAV. A- um, but then Rodgers himself tweeted out that those aren't the terms or those aren't truly accurate. So who knows? We'll, we'll see soon enough what they end up being. So right now, Dak is at 40 million. This is the top three quarterbacks on, on an AAV, uh, from an AAV perspective, is Dak at 40 million. Josh Allen, I think, is at 43. And then Patrick Mahomes is at 45. The Mahomes structure is something to monitor um, because he does have the rolling guarantees. And I could see that the Bengals would probably do that. Like, in other words, they're called vesting guarantees. So if he's on the roster, let's say he signs his deal in, you know, sometime in 2023, a year from now. It's probably going to be next summer, right before camp. Um, and then, you know, so he'll have a huge signing bonus. And then, let's say his second contract year of the extension will be 2024. twenty will probably do rolling guarantees with a year in advance. So, like, if he's on the roster the first day of the league year on uh, of the 2024 league year, his his base salary and potentially an off roster bonus for 2025 will vest and fully guarantee. So they may, have, they may adopt that from Patrick Mahomes, although Mahomes only had a $20 million signing bonus. I do think because, and I mentioned earlier, I do think the borough has the leverage and the Bengals are wise enough to make the exception to change their structure to land the franchise player. I mean, he, he's even more of a franchise guy than Carson Palmer was at in 2005. And remember, the Bengals extended Carson Palmer in 05. The, at the end of the regular season from after his third year, which really was not which really was Palmer's second year playing, because remember, Carson Palmer didn't take any snaps in 2003, his rookie year. John Kidna played. And then Palmer started in 04, and he was 8-8. Eight and, eight, and then 05, they went 11-5, won the North. We all know what happened in the wildcard game, but Carson signed his extension before that wildcard game. So I'm not saying Burrow's going to sign his extension at the end of the regular season when he's eligible, but he will sign it next offseason season because he's even the Bengals have shown when they have a franchise guy they're going to extend him they did that with Palmer but but Burrow is is an Ohio kid he's right down the road in Athens they're going to extend him that structure is going to change they're going to offer guarantees outside the signing bonus but I would not be surprised to see a very large signing bonus given to George uh, to, to Joe Burrow um it was reported that Rodgers got an 80 million dollar bonus we'll see if if that's true but I honestly could see that for Joe Burrow. I mean, that's now that's the, the Bengals writing an $80 million check, but again, you can, you can have a signing bonus. That's earnable at the time of signing. Obviously that's the true guarantee, but then you can structure the contract where you pay out that bonus in different installments. So they can, let's say it's a hundred million. They could make, they could cut them a $25 million check right at signing and then pay them, you know, 25 million when the season starts, 25 million at the end of the season, then 25 million after, but that all counts as a signing bonus and is prorated for cap accounting purposes. But the reason I think that they'll, they'll go on the larger signing bonus side is because, again, I, I think they will change their structure, but I don't think like they want to change it too much. The Bengals, like they like to do, they like to operate the way they operate. Right. So mm-hmm. by giving him a large signing bonus up front, that may, you know, let's say it's a 10 year, 500 million dollar contract. That's 50 per. Let's say they give him a 100 million dollar signing bonus. Well, that's already, you know, 20 percent, 100 million out of 500. Million. That's that's 20 percent of the, the guarantee. Um, and so that's usually on these deals, you want about, you know, 50 to 60% of guaranteed, at least for quarterbacks, if not higher. So that's a huge chunk of the guarantee that they could wipe out just with a large signing bonus. I would not also be surprised if in Burroughs' deal, I'll tweet out some proposals probably later this year as, you know, as we get closer to uh, his extension a year from now as we approach the summer. But, um, I would not be surprised if there are what are called guaranteed option bonuses in future years, like in years two and three, kind of like how the Browns did with Miles Garrett. The option bonus is, is just that, okay, you get the player, the cash in the offseason like a roster bonus. But if you fully guarantee it, uh, an option bonus at the time of sign, you can prorate that from the option year over the remaining years of the contract. So especially if it's like a longer term deal, remember, if it's a 10 year deal, you can only prorate the bonuses out a maximum of five years. So you don't get that proration benefit. You can't prorate it out to the entire year of the contract. All the years, it's capped at five. But if you do have an option bonus structure, then you can prorate those out from the year of the option bonus over the remaining years if you have a couple option bonuses in there. That gets his cash uh, in the off season. That's good cash flow. Uh, you probably will have some vesting and rolling guarantees like the Mahomes deal. But I think you're going to see a larger signing bonus than Mahomes got, who only got a $20 million bonus. Uh, and I think the APY is going to be, the AAV is going to be pushing, if not at 50 million. But bear in mind, it's, you know, Burroughs reps may want him to sign a lesser, a long, a, you know, not that long of an extension because the cap yep. is going to explode. You have all these new TV contracts that are going to start to hit the cap and factor into the all revenues of the league. You have the gambling revenues that are coming in. The Sunday ticket package is expiring with TV. That's going to be that they're shopping that. So that's going to be added to the pot. Um, so the cap is, we're over COVID hopefully. So we're you know, the cap is set to explode. Um, so from Burroughs perspective, he may not want to do a 10-year deal because guess what? you know, who knows what, you know, the 2023 or, you know, a couple years draft classes have. I don't know the quarterbacks in college that are freshmen and sophomores now, but five years from now, 50 million uh, may not, you know, that may be middle of the road. I mean, that's pushing it, but that may not be at the top tier of the quarterback Mm -hmm. market. So his reps may be pushing for a shorter term deal, but I think the Bengals are going to want to lock him in like they did with Palmer. I think Palmer signed a nine-year extension. Mahomes got 10 years. I think the Bengals are going to want to do that longer term extension and then you can you can finesse the cap by by putting that option bonus structure in there because then you can prorate that out over those longer over those remaining years once those option bonuses kick in. So if they
0: if they want to get that done, a long term deal, and hopefully Katie's listening and Troy and Mike and <laughs> they should listen to Lockdown On I don't know why they wouldn't. But anyways, if uh, if they are, that starts now to me, because if you want Joe Burrow to trust you for a decade, and I'm not saying they haven't done enough to. it, ad- Earn his trust up to this point. But you have to show that you could protect him. And I agree. He, I'm sure he's sick of limping around and, you know, he's not going to admit it. And I know he hasn't complained and I haven't heard any whimpers of it or, or just whispers or anything of, of Joe Burrow being unhappy. But 10 years is a long time. Like if, you know, if Lacton said, Hey, Jake, let's go, let's lock in for 10 years, uh, you know, did Jake be like, I don't, I don't, we'll see, right? It's same thing with me. It's 10 years is a long time. And so it, there's got to be, the, you know, the trust there. So I going back to them spending this off season, and Andre, you mentioned it multiple times throughout today's show, the offensive line, they have to address the offensive line and get it right. Because if they do that, if you're Burrow, what are you worried about? Like, they've done everything else. They've showed you that they would uh, stand by their coach that you really, really like and that they can build a defense and that they can uh, certainly give you the weapons that you need. If you find the offensive line, then, yeah, s- sign you up for a 10-year deal. So I, I think that part of it is going to be a factor. And if they don't do it, of course he's going to want the money. And I'm not saying he wouldn't sign an extension, but it might be a four-year extension or a five-year
1: extension, like you said, not a he 10-year may push year. for that. I, I think you yeah. raise valid points. I think Burrow's obviously going to sit there, and all these guys do. I mean, they're on social media. They may not post, but they-, they they see they watch the NFL Network, even if they're on vacation and working out. They'll see who <laughs> signs next week. And, and yeah. you know, Joe Mixon was always, like, in the years before 2020 when the tide turned, when they actually went out and signed some guys externally, Joe Mixon would always, like, he would post on, on Twitter, like, he would see all these other teams signing guys, and the Bengals were signing, like, the, the likes of B.W. Webb and Kerry Wynn and John Miller. Uh, and, and Joe Mixon sitting there, like, what are we doing here? And I think if you multiply, you give that a 10x multiple, that's what Joe Burrow would be doing if you're sitting there, like, hey, what's going on? But I do think... And I know I mentioned this earlier and I, I maybe pressed for time but I will stress that on in the heading into 2020 the cap was lower they had a franchise tag player t- they had a franchise tag player at a higher cap hit and like to Jakes point earlier I don't like the franchise tag you're right it's an immovable stick in the mud you cannot maneuver that unless they agreed to an extension but if they agreed to an extension with Bates in the summer who needs the cap room at that point you know you need the cap room now but the point is, it does offer them cash flexibility while at the same time, while also being true, there is no cap flexibility with the, with the immovable stick in the mud that is the franchise tag. But to 2020, the Bengals, you know, the, if you go back and look at articles, that you can could, you could see them. They're online. You can go search them. They'd say the Bengals are going to spend about $25 million on external free agents. And I always say, well, do they mean cash or cap? And, and I, who knows? But if you go back, remember, DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, you had Von Bell, you had Josh Bynes, who's on a one-year deal. LaShawn Sims, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, remember him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those year one cap hits, they signed eight external free agents that year. Their year one, their year one cap hits were 36.55 million combined out of those eight cap hits. The year one cash spends for those guys, the cash that they gave each of those guys combined for the year one was 60 million, 60.55. So they went heavy cash over cap. And I really think you're going to see that this next week, starting next week, they, because again, just look at their roster and look at the guys that they're prohibited from even touching their contracts. They're going to have to spend it. Now, are those guys, the Lake, Lake and Tomlinson type deals, the Austin Corbett, or are they maybe like the Jermaine and Fettys and they maybe, you know, retain Eli Apple. It's going to be remain to be seen. But I, I think if you look at that 2020 season, the two big contracts, you know, Jake, we had that, that little disagreement about what constitutes a sizable signing bonus. But if you go back, you, you look the, the $15 million is a good signing bonus. They gave that to Waynes. They gave Reeder 10 million, but then gave him a quick roster bonus of six of six million. So it was effectively 16 million. I think you're going to see those two bigger type O line signings. And then you're going to have a couple of the middle tier guys, like the Mackenzie Alexander, one year, $4 million. That may be a corner. Von Bell, three years, $16 million. That may be an interior defensive lineman, a 3 tag. Uh, lower end three tech. It's not a really deep free agent class at three tech. So the point is, I really think this is going to take the shape of 2020. Uh, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. And I'm gonna be scratching my head to James's point and thinking it about it from Burroughs' perspective. Like, what are we Gosh. doing here, guys? Uh, yeah. we need to spend. Uh, but I really think that's 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 how it's gonna play out. If you just look how they've historically spent in cash, they've spent up to the cap, if not over it. Um, and really they're willing to go cash over cap at least in year one for these guys like they did in 2020. So I really think you're going to see a couple of O-linemen that, that really si- signify some significant upgrades on the O-line.
3: And I think we also saw this in 2021 to, to probably a different degree because you're not talking about 2021, but there were significant year one cash expenditures in mm-hmm. 2021 as well. And, and as you pointed out, yeah. they continue to overspend the cap in cash. And to do that this year, they have a lot of ground to make up, especially if we're talking about their adjusted number, 212-ish, 213 Right. Million dollars, they they have about seventy to eighty million dollars of cash to spend on free agents, and between their own guys, the Quentin Spains, the Larry Ogunjobis, the the Eli Apple, CJ Uzama's, BJ Hills of the world, and external guys to address their biggest need on the offensive line, you would expect that you could get a lot done yeah. with that much money. And to, to to further your point, if you go back to twenty twenty, you talked about. They roughly, correct me if I'm wrong here, they roughly doubled their cap, year one cap spend and cash spend. Is that correct? Roughly doubled? With respect to what doubled from, from what? In, in in 2020, their cash spend on year one for oh, year yes. and acquisitions yes. was roughly double the cap spend. This year, you're looking at- the almost spending. two to one. Not quite two to one, but it was almost two to one. You're right. You're, they, they have about $40 million to $45 million in cap space after cutting Trey Wayne's and if they cut- Trey Hopkins, including Jesse Bates franchise tag, including the exclusive rights guys and the restricted guys. That means you're looking at a 80 to $90 million cash spend, which gets you pretty close to that hundred million dollar that I've talked about on this show before that includes the 13 million for Jesse Bates. So a lot of money to be spent for the Cincinnati Bengals, this free agency period, and a lot of cap flexibility, quite frankly, despite what they may be telling reporters and what they've told reporters really for the last few years, they've ended up spending more against the cap and in cash than expected after the initials came out. The initial numbers came out in each of those years. Andre, really appreciate the time. Looks like you want to throw in one more point before we let To your
1: point about creating the cash space, and this is something that I tweeted out a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to tweet it out again soon as we approach the tampering period there's one thing they could really do to to and it's a simple so the Bengals don't have automatic conversions in their contracts that almost every other team does that allows a team to just go to the player and say hey we're converting a certain amount of your base salary into a signing bonus to to prorate that bonus out and create some cap space the Bengals have a six million dollar year two roster bonus that's due to Trey Henderson Trey Henderson's going to earn that bonus he's not on the roster yet because they could cut him but they're not going to cut him before the third day of the 2022 league year next week and he's due to earn six million dollars the Bengals could easily create $4 million in cap space by just saying, hey, Trey, we're just we're going to pay you that same amount. It's just going to be treated as a signing bonus instead of a roster bonus. You then prorate that. Instead of taking that $6 million cap hit for the roster bonus that's allocated to 2022, now you just spread it out over the remaining three years of Trey's deal. You don't even have to add a, vo- a dummy yep. void year. You just take two, two, two. So instead of a $6 million roster bonus, it counts as a $2 million. Trey still gets his six million, but the Bengals would earn four million dollars in cap space, and it's a—it's really something that doesn't cost them anything. It doesn't even really cost Trey anything, although there's some forfeitable language issues that he would have to work out with his agent, but his agent won't have any issue with it because he gets paid the same. It's just something that they, they could and really should do. Yeah. Um, and like the reef void year that they did last year, which was totally unprecedented. Uh, I really wish they would do that because it's such a simple maneuver. Just make that $6 million roster bonus into a signing bonus. You create $4 million of cap space for 2022 Yes, you're adding on the added $2 million of dead money each of those next two years. But like I said at the beginning, Trey Henderson is likely going to see out the rest of his contract based on how we played in year one. So those $2 million in added dead money to me in each of the next two seasons are worth the creation of $4 million in cap space. It's such an easy decision. I know you mentioned Katie and Troy. I, I, I hope they're they're all huddled up and and, uh, and and finalizing their free agency plans. But if they happen to be listening, that's such a, they know it too. Because if they did the Jalen Davis Veteran salary benefit deal to to create one hundred and forty thousand dollars worth of cap room when they didn't have to do it that way. I know they know they could do they create this. They can create four million by just create that changing that roster bonus into a signing bonus. It's a, yep. it's a simple maneuver, and I hope they do it. I, I'll I'll be surprised if they do, but but uh, here's to hope that they do. They don't need that four million in cap space, but it would show me a good. It would be a good sign to say, hey, we're really looking to maximize our cap space here. Incidentally, More money for J.C. Jackson. That's all. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> there you go. There you go. In- incidentally, that's the same example that I use because that is a contract with which they have the greatest flexibility to do a restructure if they saw fit. Right. But, but you're not they- even
1: converting his base salary. You're not even touching his base. Yep. You're
3: just saying, let's,
1: let's just remodify this roster bonus into a signing bonus. You create $4 million cap space. Yes, you're adding the dead money. But to me, it's such a negligible cost for the added benefit. It just makes too much sense not to do it.
3: That would be the case for any restructured salary or roster bonus to signing bonus. Those become potential dead hits in future years if the players don't see the life of the contract. But the Bengals don't do restructures anyway. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. If they do, it's a sign that something has changed. The Bengals typically don't do restructures. And even if they don't, the bottom line is there's a lot of money to spend. And we'll see how they spend it in the near future. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Jeff Hobson who is very familiar with the team, may have some insight onto how they plan to spend this money. Andre, thanks again for the time. Go find Andre Perota on Twitter at Andre Perota 13 for all of your Bengals salary cap questions and expertise. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening. day, and have a good one.